1: what's going on everybody welcome back to the geno time podcast here on the blue wire podcast network we're brought to you by bet online my name is tom westerholm and today i'm not joined by nicole yang but i am joined by somebody who i used to do a probably like weekly maybe bi-weekly podcast way back in the day i'm joined by better known as riffs man uh riffs how's it going man
0: i'm really good A little bit perturbed, but (laughs) doing really good in spite of everything that surrounds us with the pandemic, with the the climate catastrophe going on in Texas, thoughts and energy with all the good people in Texas and going through that right now and everybody in the South dealing with all sorts of stuff, especially people affected by it.
1: Yeah, no question. It's been a tough week to watch all that stuff. And yeah, like you said, certainly thinking about everybody down there. I, I wanted to have you on like... I wanted to give like a, a small background. You and I have been friends for like a long time. We we used to do like a podcast like way back in the day. I think we talked about this the last time you were on, but like back when I like you know, when I, when, when I was when I was kind of still a Celtics fan, which is something that being a beat writer just like, you know, beats out of you pretty quick. But like we used to do probably like what, 2012, 2013, we were doing Celtics podcasts over just the worst Celtics teams possibly oh, yeah. of my lifetime. <laughs> I mean, we might have had like a thousand combined followers on Twitter at the time. Yeah
0: and uh it's been an amazing ride really <laughs> it's been
1: wild, man like because like yeah i mean you know i like i obviously you know cover the team and you are like legitimately like famous now like people like talk about you everywhere it has been it's weird man it has been a <laughs> wild ride dude <laughs>
0: we've been we've known each other about nine years now i'd say yeah yeah no for we sure to, we used to discuss the merits of like the phil pressy jared sullinger team sullinger. that was like
1: phil pressy was my guy man
0: that was like the pre-isaiah isaiah it was like the trial run for isaiah <laughs> how did
1: phil pressy not work better man he was on like the perfect brad stevens team where there were no expectations and like brad stevens is like the perfect like point guard coach like how is he not how did he not have like a jordan crawford player of the week run i, I don't understand
0: it just wasn't meant to be, I suppose. Or he just wasn't that good. One of the two, man. <laughs> I, I'm going with yours because I, I I was a Phil,
1: I loved Phil Prezzi. So uh, yeah, I think, I think it's that it wasn't meant to be. So I guess the, the reason I wanted to kind of back up to there is because back then, obviously, like I said, we were like, we were just like a couple of dudes, like talking the Celtics, like on the internet, like nobody really listened to our show. It was called the Hindsight Podcast. You know, like I, I doubt that any of the, you know, that the episodes are even available still. But like since then, like the, the Celtics ride has been wild. Our rides have been That's wild. Insane. So you kind of like, I, I don't know how else to put this, like like your like force of personality like sort of started a community on the internet. And we're gonna get into a lot of this stuff because I think over the last couple of days and, and maybe over the last little while here, there has been sort of this weird co-opting of it, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong, but that that's kind of been my impression of it. Can you take me through how how like we went from like, uh, you know from like five hundred followers, like tiny podcasts to the point where there's a good portion of Celtics fans. who if I was like riffs man, at the very least, they'd be like, oh, I've heard of that guy, like, yeah, w- w- what's his deal?
0: Man, it's funny how this all started out. Basically, I was bedridden for a portion of my life. I had these like extreme back surgeries. And with it, like pretty severe drug problems associated with it. And uh, I had nothing I could do. Like I literally, I I was stuck in my house. I was stuck in bed for like 19 hours of the day. And what was I going to do? I I used to be an aspiring musician and I lived in Nashville and I went to school and stuff and I had to drop out of school with my health and and whatnot. And uh, it was like, what am I going to do with myself to, (laughs) to kill hours? And so I was like, well, when I was a kid, I used to, every day after school and doing homework, what little of it I did to get by. Yeah. <laughs> I used to, I just used to watch the Pierce Celtics and there were good teams and there were bad teams. And I, I watched a lot of bad teams. I watched a lot of Urie Welsh years and Antoine Walker years, the comeback, the 88 Walker, not quite the 45 Jordan. But, uh, but What are you uh, talking
1: about? He was twice the man that Jordan was at that point. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
0: In volume and shot attempts and all of that, <laughs> but that was a part of my life, and I loved the Celtics and I loved the KG Pierce era, and I liked the idea of starting the holistic rebuild after that trade. I think people said, "Well, this is good for the Nets," and I was like, "Yeah, let's see how it does in a couple of years." That's come full circle with Kyrie and Harden and Durant on the Super Team Nets, who I think they're actually going to win the NBA championship. That being said, I I started okay, let's do this holistically and let's follow this journey because it's going to be really interesting to see where this team goes. And so I started to meet people through Twitter. I think Matt Moore, uh, HP Basketball, thought I had interesting takes and boosted me a bit back in the day, and I appreciate that. Especially back in those days when blogs were still a thing, he was boosting a lot of people with just different perspectives, some of which were serious writers, some of which were fans, some of which were team-adjacent personalities. I was the literal lunatic who would post about Rondo, like, beating sickly children at Connect Four. And so, <laughs> and so. like, at the time, I'm a huge Zach Lowe fan, and I'm a huge fan of people who uh analytically, not ingest the games, but, like, are... <laughs> that are taking in the games and they're analyzing it from a very scientific perspective. I'm not against that. I'm very appreciative of anything that can teach me more about the game than anything that can teach me more about anything. But I I also felt like everybody was writing from that perspective or everybody was covering it from that perspective. And I'm a very individualistic type of different person. I've had a bizarre life and I have different takes on life in general in the world and in basketball I, I i view basketball from a holistic perspective and an energetic perspective i see music in basketball having so much of a correlation and so i was going to go about just posting about it from my perspective and it became this esoteric thing influenced by uh the left twitter and dada is weird twitter and and basically I was finding the strangest takes in the strangest people I could find in the basketball Twitter sphere who just had a different perspective on just what it was in life in general. And so I started to develop a brand and it was heavily influenced by that stuff. And it was heavily influenced by like creating a character that was doing a gonzo brand of NBA coverage Not that I'm that good or anything like that, but I was, I liked like Hunter S. Thompson and like the insanity of like William Burroughs and like all sorts of stuff like that and just kind of created my own thing uh, that was personal to me. And it took off from there. It it incorporated psychedelic art. It incorporated anti-takes. It incorporated, you know, just like commentary on where the country was politically commentary on the failing system i've seen around me (laughs) which uh picked up in 2016 and before that and all sorts of stuff like that i just started making an off-kilter commentary that was also a genuinely earnest community building project i didn't realize it was that but anybody who ever talked to me on there i would have my character that i do with it which is insane and like the stupidest smart person you've ever met in your life but But also I was trying to engage people like they were human beings and build friendships and relationships and stuff like that. And uh, it just took off from there for whatever reason in the Isaiah era, because I think there was a genuine energy bubbling beneath it in an undercurrent of like this real positive energy that this is going somewhere.
1: So I wanted to back up briefly because one of the things that you, that you mentioned was, you know, obviously like, I mean, everybody who likes the NBA is a Zach Lowe fan. Like, like if you don't like Zach Lowe, then like, I don't, I don't understand what we're doing here. Like, I I think, yeah, I'll say, I think he's pretty comfortably the best like sports reporter in the country. Like, I don't think. Oh yeah. I'd agree with that. But, but I think that you're, you're right on, on one thing very like, you know, specific where he does things a certain way. And a lot of people try to do things that way too. And when they do that, I think they do sort of ignore this part of basketball that, and this part of sports in general, that the reason I think people ignore it is because it's very hard to quantify. It's very hard to prove something like, like you were just saying with Isaiah, there was sort of this energy, this sort of weird bubbling, like positivity, where even if like, yeah, that team wasn't really a contender. Cause like they were never going to beat LeBron James. And if they beat no. you know LeBron James, they would probably play what the Warriors, like, <laughs> okay, good luck but there was something there. There was something like happy and positive and like, and fun, you know, all that energy just kind of draining out, you know, for the 2018, 19 season was, you know, like, I think there was, there was something there. Like, it's not just the X's and O's. It's not just the, here's how the play works. It's not just the analytics and all those things can inform and really make your experience as a fan more full. But like, I I feel like there is kind of something else there too. And I feel like that's one of the things that you captured really, really well and, and one of the things that I think the Weird Celtic Twitter community really captured.
0: I'm very pro-journalism. I have a lot of friends yeah, yeah. <laughs> who are, who are sen- sensational draft writers. Brian Schroeder, Max Carlin, Jackson Frank, Ben is very good. I'm friends with you and Sean Hyken and Eric Gunderson, who I think are excellent in covering the league and in- incorporating the human element. What I was doing, in my estimation, the media covers a lot of garbage. And I was like, okay, if we're going to cover a lot of garbage, (laughs) be it on social media, I was looking for the absurdity of it. Not only the absurdity, but the transcended daily moments that were it's kind of like like if somebody follows a jam band, like if you follow P-Funk or if you back in the day, if you followed The Grateful Dead or if you followed if you followed a band or something like that, basically the show might be the same. The set list might change. But all those people know that shit and know it. Oh, sorry. Uh, (laughs) They know it's going to happen, but they don't. There's going to be something that's different every night. There's going to be some human element, some absurdity. absurdity. There's going to be some kind of funny moments. There's going to be some kind of explosion energetically. Yeah. And I was looking for those things. And it was like, obviously, like memes are the thing that runs the internet. And I was looking for what you could say with that in different ways. And we used, we used like uh, abstract, we related to to like abstract impressionism, painting and like all sorts of things. And uh, we'd take the memes and we could see how insane we could make them because like everybody takes a meme from the game and they're like, oh, look at this facial reaction. And I was like, let's take it to an extreme and see what it can say about maybe anything. You know what I mean? So we just look for those human moments in those transcendent moments. And we tried to live in that for a while in, in just the comedy of it and the ugliness of it sometimes, because I think some of the ways the league is covered is very ugly and has a lot of undertones and undercurrents and, and stuff like that that I think is not always the greatest.
1: Your your jam band example is such an interesting is such an interesting point because like I think in a lot of ways I, I don't want to speak for her because she's not here, but I think Nicole would agree too that like she and I that that's one of the things that we kind of enjoy about this dumb covering sports is that. Mm-hmm you know, like in the same way where the, you know, people would go to those shows and it was like, it was, you know, obviously you, you you know, the band, you like the band, you like the show, but like there is, it's, it's more just kind of the stuff that's going on around it that you're like, that has always, I think been, I mean, I love basketball. Like I I I love like watching it. I love, you know, the X's and O's. I'm not like, you know, like an X's and O's genius, but like the thing that always kind of gets me is like the stuff around it that that's so interesting is like just dumb little things that obviously have no bearing on whether or not the Celtics are going to win the championship but like if that's the only thing you're watching for isn't it super boring
0: I'm in I'm in it for luxury concierge William Rondo like yeah. that kind of stuff is yeah. like what I'm looking for I'm looking for the adjacents I'm looking for uh the Chris Pauls going down the tunnel leading like a uh like a mini uprising in the Staples Center <laughs> yeah
1: exactly we should talk about about the Time Lord thing after the Celtics drafted Rob he was, you know, all, like all the tardiness stuff happened and the media freaked out about it. And Weird Celtics Twitter, like uh, and you can kind of break down all, all the other stuff, too. But like you guys started calling him Time Lord um, to make fun of the media just absolutely, you know, losing its mind over the fact that he was late to a couple of things. That has been sort of co-opted in some weird ways, sort of commodified in some weird ways. Time yeah. Lord obviously took off. Um now I have like a couple of questions about it taking off, but before that, I did want to give you just kind of the floor to uh to speak to ESPN, who yesterday posted a graphic that I, I have it here and and, and I can uh I, I can I can read it real quick. It said Robert Williams III, Time Lord Origin, 27th pick in the 2017 NBA draft, overslept introductory conference call with reporters, missed flight to Boston and first Celtics practice also refers to timing for block and assists. And like the timing for block and assists. I correct me if I'm wrong. That one's just like not even close, right? <laughs> like that that's what? the
0: well, I think I think when he's at his best in playing intuitive basketball, it's like he sees okay okay that other see, people okay. don't. And hang time, like obviously for junks and blocks. Yeah, and stuff. okay. But it was more like a, a criticism of everything that I was I thought was wrong about like the coverage of when he got picked and all of that stuff. When he got picked, I'm like a bizarre. I wouldn't say, I'm like Tommy Heinsohn on steroids. Like, when we pick a guy, I believe in them to the absolute fullest. And for two years, I had watched Robert. My friend Brian and I, he's a serious uh, writer about the NBA draft and stuff like that. And I'm just looking for really funny stuff on YouTube clips, like the, the thick jacked frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the, clip, the clips from Draft <laughs> Express with just these absurd graphics in like, like, stock phrases to try to, like, quantify a human. And I I was just looking at different ways they talked about it. And I started to watch Robert, and I really liked him. He was raw, and he still has raw elements of his game. But when he made an exciting play, it was almost superhuman. The way he gets into the air, the way he can contort his body, the force with which his plays, like, I've never seen someone dunk as hard as he does. Yeah. So for two years, I talked about it and I thought he was like, my perspective of him is like, if you took Marcus Smart and elongated his arms and asked him to figure it out, arms and legs, and (laughs) asked Marcus to figure out how to like work with like the new body size, that was Robert to me. I had said for two years that uh, Ainge was going to draft him. Like, I would just have these crazy posts. It's like, yeah, this guy's going to be on the Celtics. And I did that with Grant Williams too, oddly enough. And both ended up on the team. And so I had had a bunch of these strange predictions, like these absolutely like batshit lunatic predictions come true in the game. And my friends all joked about me being an inerrant prophet, which is hilarious because I dropped out of college my senior year in my second semester. I am not inerrant. I can assure you of that. (laughs) And when they picked him, everybody was like, Oh my God, like, the wrist man has done it again and it was a great big joke and i thought it was hilarious like the idea of me being a prophet of all the people in the world (laughs) (laughs) hilarious but uh it was funny and it was good times and then robert missed his call and then he lost his phone and stuff like that and i'm like shit if that isn't me like anything i i joke about on the internet comes from a place of self-deprecation it's not of judgment and i'm looking for i'm looking I, I stick up for the very human players in the league, the people who don't fit into the machine, like, stock answers. That's what I'm looking for. I, I was just looking for whatever's cool, like, in my estimation of what cool is. And uh, he was that to me. And then I saw all these people were like, cut him. He missed two things. Cut him. He missed Summer League game. Cut him. And I was like, what the fuck is this shit? And all these people were just like freaking out. And I was like, dude, this is not the biggest thing in the world. It's like everybody in their life missed class in college. Like, I'm sorry. Everybody's been late to work. Everybody's human. And so we were making fun of it. And I was like, well, his name is Robert Williams. There's a bunch of Robert Williams. Meek Mill is Robert Williams. There's a psychedelic (laughs) artist, Robert Williams, who created Dadaist psychedelic art in the 80s, 70s and 80s. One of which is a painting called Appetite for Destruction, which became the cover art for the very uh, large Selling Guns N' Roses album. And then there's the Robert Williams of North Carolina, who is a social justice advocate and racial justice advocate. And so you have all of these things and that kind of incorporates all of what we were talking about with our community, because we had a very political undercurrent and a very, uh, I don't know, I would, just like an anti the establishment type of deal. And so that was there, and, and my buddy called him Time Lord, kind of like Doctor Who. Like he could have been in a bunch of different places, man. He could have been making those psychedelic paintings. He could have been advocating for social justice. And uh, it was also like a superhero type deal because, like, when he made these, like, when he made his exciting plays, everybody would yell Time Lord, right? And it became just like I don't know. It became my own anti art thing. And you wrote about it and Sean wrote about it. And I thought you guys actually captured what we were talking about, which was like needling the media and needling those fans. Like he's gonna be good and he's not gonna fail. And then it became something entirely different when it started to become co-opted. I feel like we started to become different when it started to be co-opted and it became more of a destructive thing that I'm not so much proud of. I wouldn't say resent because I've met so many wonderful people and had so many beautiful experiences. But I kind of resent how it's been taken in the time since. And I mostly would like people to respect Robert and his humanity. I love Robert. I don't want people harping on this. It was done as a joke about how fucking stupid (laughs) the whole thing was. And now the graphic is still talking about it on ESPN. And I'm like, is this really the best you can do? You're going to co-opt an anti-establishment sub-community and totally strip us of like the humanity and the fun and the message behind it. and I kind of resent that. So last night I recanted the uh, the nickname and I asked everybody to call him Robert.
1: You tweeted last night, any small community that's different will eventually be co-opted and have the personality strangled out of it.
0: We became a commodity. I wasn't yeah. even making money off of it. I was <laughs> getting just a little bit of Patreon money to buy cigarettes everyone. <laughs>
1: So that's actually, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about was like, there were sort of these weird calls, like for like the Celtics to like, let you run the Twitter account and stuff. And I was like, I mean, that'd be funny, like whatever, like, but I mean, it wouldn't have worked. Like the whole point of this was that it was sort of this little, like, like, you know, I think you said like a small community that's different. That's what it was. And then as it became, you know, a bigger community, it felt like the vibe of, of, of weird Celtics Twitter really did kind of change. And I'm curious I, I really enjoyed asking Rob about Time Lord because I I, I, I mean, I'm like you, I really enjoy Rob. I think he's like a very, he's a very interesting young man. Like he's very funny. Like he's very funny. Um, he's
0: hilarious. He seems so sweet. He's been a perfect citizen in the league and that's the thing I'd like to get across. And yeah, we weren't talking about that. We were making fun of the people who thought that one mistake could dictate the rest of your life. I've made tons of mistakes. I, I wrote a thread about the Time Lord. I, uh, when I was in college, my whole college career was messed up by the fact that when I was supposed to be going to a computer lab to sign up for classes, I was smoking weed out of an apple behind a porta potty and then just walking around town. And it screwed me for four years. And so I related to him because, <laughs> because like, okay, should one mistake follow you the rest of your life if you're a great citizen after that? I don't think so. Yeah. And that's why I'm recanting it now because it became about his mistake so much. More than it became about talking about how stupid and sensationalistic and, like, take-driven and anti-human that kind of, like, takery is.
1: And I think that that actually, like, you know, people might be like, okay, whatever, like, it's a guy's nickname. But I I think that, like, there's a little bit something bigger there, right? Because, like, for you, Rob was like Rob has been like, like the perfect, you loved Rob in college. Like you, you saw it coming. He ended up on your favorite team and you literally like came up with the nickname for him. So it's, I don't think it's this kind of like small thing where it's like, Oh, like, you know, the the wrist man is like, you know, saying that no more time. It's like, there is something about the media coverage of like, of a guy who, like you said, has made a mistake. There is something about like how that was, that was co-opted in sort of this weird way. And, And it's like, I don't know. It makes me sad because Time Lord was very funny. Like, it was like a very funny thing. And, and, you know, you came up with it. And it's. I thought it was really cool that, like, for you, like, you you named, like, you got, like, the nickname for, like, your favorite player. Like, that's really cool. Yeah, and it feels like that was taken beautiful. away a little bit.
0: It's like Perry Thurl from Jane's Addiction said, man, if they're not trying to take your money, they're trying to take your fun. You know what I mean? I think there's such a void in media of original esoteric personality because it's such a corporate thing. There's such a lack of personality and creativity and I don't know, individuality in the whole thing. They want to strip you of that and they want to strip the players of it. Look what they do to Kyrie Irving. The man has spiritual practices relating to his indigenous roots. Uh, He sages before a game. Is that a little bit different than the average player? Sure. But how many of the average players stood with the Lakota Sioux during the Dakota Access Pipeline fight? Kyrie having a, bringing with him a walking stick from his, which is also a uh, an homage to his roots and stuff like that. Yeah. And like, look at how he's covered. Look at how he's villainized. And like anybody with personality or anybody like that is like demonized if it doesn't fit into a certain box that helps them explain a very certain like worldview. That's just my perspective is that we didn't fit into a box or we didn't fit into anything. And so they saw a commodity that they could take that was popular among people and they just took the commodity and they didn't take the history with it. And they didn't even reflect upon like why I was saying what I was saying about how the media is like anti-human, anti-humanity, anti-personality. And that's what we were talking about with a lot of our stuff. We love the personality of the players. We embellish the personality of the players. We, we celebrate them for their individuality and stuff like that. And, and when I saw the graphic last night, I was like, this is not celebrating individuality. This is not celebrating the beautiful aspects of Robert. This is just being a dick to him. And it made me reflect upon the whole thing and I just didn't like it.
1: That's such a good point about um, you know, like the individuality. But like, I think a lot of the most successful media people are people who have sort of bucked that, like, I'm gonna do everything by the book. I mean, like Stephen A. Smith, you know, is like everybody loves him because he's himself. He's like, he, like you can, you can just tell that he's, he's, a, rock rock
0: because, he's yeah, a rock star. yeah a rock stuff. That's what we were looking for in this thing. The passion. Yeah. The individuality, the flair, the panache, all of that stuff. We love it. Yeah. Because that's what makes humans beautiful. And I see such a void of that in like the greater, I just think in, in general and in, in society.
1: For sure. And I mean like, and you look at Rob and it's like every player in the NBA is different and and could be like, think of how interesting the league would be if everybody was just themselves and all these weird personalities, not even weird, that's the wrong word. And I regret using it. All these different personalities, these different Mm -hmm. humans, if everybody just kind of was themselves, I think it would be this really interesting thing. And instead, you know, we do have people coming out and saying, yeah, you know, uh, we gotta, we just gotta play a little bit harder and uh, see, you know, watch some film and go from there. And it's like that's not what you think, man. Like I would, I want to hear what you think, but also like I understand why you can't tell me that because then yeah. everybody's gonna run crazy with it, and you know, it, it'll just be a whole thing. So I don't know. Like that was one of the things that made me saddest about this is is when you said like, hey, I'm abandoning the time lord thing. I was like, I get it,
0: and that's the reality of it, and I accept that. I think I had a good run for there. I'm still open to different opportunities, and I'm still gonna be doing my own thing in my own way but i want to do it in a way that can't be perceived by people who don't understand it in negative destructive terms because when you when you do irony or when you do comedy sometimes people just don't get it and they put their own thing on it i mean that's part of the responsibility you take is not that I'm an artist or anything like that, but if you're a writer and you do something different, there's a chance it's not going to be perceived how you expect it to be. And uh, this is m- me reckoning with that and not liking it and doing something different. The thing they can't strip me of <laughs> is my creativity and my joy for the game and how much I love the Celtics and the players on the Celtics and stuff like that. I mean, the whole thing is silly to me and I, I wish they would respect Robert more in, in the process of it. If you want to use... Like, if you personally like the name Time Lord, that's cool. I'd like people to respect Robert.
1: That makes perfect sense. I mean, I think one of the last things I wanted to touch on here, you, you, you talked about almost like not, not leaving the weird Celtics community like community. But oh, just no, it's still like, the community. It's still the community, but sort of stepping back from like the, you know, the whole WCT aspect of it sort of thing. Is that, do I have that right? Or-
0: yeah, just, i just, I don't want no label on who I am yeah. anymore. I don't want no labels on anybody else. I don't want anybody else to feel like they have to belong to something or something like that, because that, that's something I also had. I don't know. I had my own misgivings about it and stuff like that, but I think overall it connected a lot of different people from different backgrounds, different countries, yeah. uh, different cultures, and it made people happy for a while. And that good stuff can still stay, but I'm, I'm moving away from the destructive aspect, which is to put labels on anything and to, to feel like there's a pressure like Around media coverage, that we're a part of the team. I'm just the dude who posts on the internet, man. I'm nothing more than anybody else, and so that's that's what I'm stepping away from. Is like I don't want it to put pressure on anybody, especially the players. Like, if we're if we're talking and being creative about stuff, cool. But I don't want it to impact them in the sphere because they're all human beings and they're all good people, and I want them to be treated as such. And I think if our if our approach to covering it was misunderstood then there was something to be misunderstood about and so i'm stepping away from that too gotcha that makes sense like all of us are still a community and i view it that way for sure basically i was the happiest when people were just adding their own elements to the gumbo like when people were just taking different approaches and i wasn't telling anybody to do anything but they just did it organically and i loved that There was just something interesting about it to me and to be at the epicenter of it was very bizarre, but I've formed a lot of beautiful friendships and met people. I've gone to games with people in Charlotte and Atlanta. That was the cool part was people connecting. And also like there was an element of it too. Like my vision of it was that sports Twitter is a reactionary place where people say things that are harmful There were elements of racism and misogyny and sexism and all sorts of stuff like that. And I was posting from a perspective that some people would call communist or socialist or what have you. But basically, I'm a person invested in taking care of other human beings. Although the general, I'd say Celtics Twitter as a whole is way healthier than it used to be in the 2012 days when we started out. I think the nature of being online is often destructive and toxic and you lose the human element of just talking to people and being less judgmental. And that's, I wanted people to be less judgmental of the team and the people and of people with different perspectives, but now it's just like, because we're in COVID and because we're dealing with so many psychic traumas on a mass scale in this country, I think that basically, everybody goes online and takes it out on one another and takes it out on the players after a game when it doesn't go so hot. And I don't like that. I'm just choosing to withdraw from the elements that I believe are negative energetically and do my own thing again, because at the end of the day, I was my own person and I did this because I wanted to just be myself And that's what I'm doing now. And whatever opportunities come my way, like doing different stuff, covering the team, like I'm just gonna do myself. You know, there was something
1: that was very organic about it. And I I did feel like, yeah, you can correct me if you you think I'm wrong here, but like it, it felt like that as it sort of grew in popularity, and as, you know, as sort of like you grew in popularity, it became less about like, you know, like being themselves and doing kind of their own thing and more about almost just sort of like biting your style and trying to use that to, to gain like clout. And I think that's one of the one of the things about online. And you mentioned like, you know, kind of dunking on people like dunking on people is like a very easy way to get clout. Right. Like everybody likes. Yeah. To as it got more popular people wanted clout people wanted to like because that's like all people care about like and i feel like in 2021 it's just like internet clout yeah it's
0: funny i i thought it was a novelty for a while because it was like who the hell am i i'm just like this dude who plays guitar and like i don't know like just like a normal quiet like reserved person and then like people made me out to be something much larger and there was like there's moments of where your ego talks to you where this is funny and a great novelty and it connects people and whatever. I often don't really like it. I often yeah. don't really like how it's become. I've decided that one of the things I'm going to do is create mutual aid funds for people in the online basketball community affected by the ills of the economic immiseration of this company, uh, country and also, like, the mental health component of when people, like suffer a tragedy and still have to go to work the next day or they're sick and they have to go to work the next day stuff like that we've in the background one of the things i'm really proud of about the people that i've gotten to know and this is more them than me because i don't have a whole lot of money but we've tried to create like little mutual aid packages to make sure that people get by and i want to create more of those for people in the online basketball community i think this country and the people in this country don't often take care of each other i think like when when GoFundMe has to issue a statement that the country needs to be taking care of people, not us. We're over in like That's insanity. Yeah. It's insanity when people have to pay $100,000 to get life-saving medicine. I want to network the basketball community more and get it going in a direction where we can take care of the people we talk to every day. Part of me, like when I make my earnest posts and I've talked about my my struggles with uh, substance abuse and mental health and stuff like that, I talk about it pretty openly and honestly. And a lot of people come and they DM me or text me or whatever, and they talk about it. And a lot of people get really pushed to the edge by this country. When I say this country, I don't mean to disrespect it. I mean, like the societal hierarchy, this thing where people go and work 72 hours and they don't even get health care. And people are getting pushed to the edge by it. And I talked to so many people, so many people I've talked to have been on the verge of suicide. They've lost loved ones and had to go to work the next day and lost their job. They've gotten fired during a pandemic. So many things like this. And there's no social safety net and no nothing like that. If I can use my followers and whatever stupid cloud I've built up in this process to help ease the suffering of those people in the basketball community. That's what I'm going to do from here on out, I've decided. And it isn't It isn't about me. It's about the community yeah, yeah. and the people who have taken – I've had my buddy Sam, he made sure I could go to the dentist because when you don't have dental insurance, to get a cavity done, it's like $300. To get a tooth extracted, it's like $400, $500. So that's just all I'm thinking about is like the everyday working people in the community and just building a backbone of maybe some support financially to make sure people get by well listen
1: man if you know like as you get that kind of stuff going Geno time will be uh will be very supportive obviously A- any last thoughts here before we go any any uh i saw yesterday you you offered to wrestle the uh, the ceo of espn um yeah if, if they
0: want to catch wrestling me like abe lincoln i'm down man <laughs>
1: well i'll see i'll see Bob, what i, can Bob Iger, I
0: will <laughs> <suplex> you, <man. laughs>
1: After all of that, I will still say that uh, you, you can find him on Twitter at Riftsman. I, I again, I, I think that there's a there's a really cool community um, still there. Like the backbone of it is still there. There's still a lot of uh, a lot of really like good people who who care about the right things. Thanks for coming on, man. As always, this is yeah, fun. Thank it you was for great to uh, great to throwback. revisit the hindsight days, man.
0: It's a throwback, man. I love it.
1: All right, brother. Well, we'll uh, we will talk to you guys all later this week. Nobody builds five G like Verizon
0: builds five G.